So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes, there are drop-ins. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where... Ben. And Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre. You name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on tggeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 119 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I am excited to be once again joined by the amazing Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? How's it going, John? I'm doing great. Great, great. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, it's it's almost summer. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. Is school the- over for you? The first thing on my mind, honestly, is you and your semester, <laughs> because we—it's kind of like a like a weekly check-in on like how's Joe doing, like <laughs> the summer vacation. One more week has is gone by, uh, uh, you know, getting closer to the end of this school year. How are oh you doing? God. It so won't end. It just won't end. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, how many Tuesdays are in this week? This is like yes. the third Tuesday, right? Yes, that's exactly it. Honestly, um, I I feel like I've got so many good things going on with drama that if I can just live from drama class to drama class, I can make it through the last week. I feel the the same way about the summer movie schedule. (laughs) Yes. If I could just make it from Solo to Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'll be fine. (laughs) survive. I if, speaking of solo, well, that was our our last episode, and I have to say, I've heard so many people go and say, well, "I don't know why it didn't do better. I don't know why it didn't do better." And it's kind of like, well, huh. it, it it followed 
Infinity War and Deadpool, and a lot of people forgot it was happening. Right. Because I don't think it was terribly well advertised. Right. Um, a lot of people were worried that they weren't going to like the guy who played Han Solo. Yeah. Um, there were already a lot of rumors about all the things that were going wrong with the production. So it just kind of had everything working against it, but I still think it was a decent movie. So I, I normally, this is a, a part of um, movie fandom that I completely ignore. Um, I never follow box office returns whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. I'm actually, now that you mention it, I'm, I'm checking it out. I had no idea that Solo practically bombed. It's, it's considered a bomb. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, now that I'm sl- I'm on Slack officially, um, it'd be interested to I'd be interested to hear from anyone listening to this podcast. Uh, one, if you saw Solo, and two, uh, what did you think? Why did you think it? it why do you think it bombed? Um, because that's honestly, I'm a bit surprised by that. Yeah. Well, because we were talking about all the different things that they could do with number two, and people are wondering if there's going to be a number two because this one didn't do very well. This is. I mean, I'd be interested to also look into what the lowest performing Star Wars property is because up until this point, correct me if I'm wrong, we've kind of assumed that anything Star Wars is box office gold and it's going to at least make money, you know, maybe not be a critical hit, but at least make money for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what it would be, but yeah, poor Solo. Wow. Yeah. This is like a, it's a new day. Well, I wonder how Disney <laughs> taking this, you know, because I mean, you would think making a Star Wars movie is, is you're just you're printing money, but now, huh? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a deep dive into some of these takes on on Solo's, um, I guess, failure. But yeah, I'd be interested to hear what other people have to say about that. Uh, speaking of Disney, though, have you have you seen the uh, new Wreck It Ralph preview? No or trailer. Oh Ray, I don't know if you're a Wreck. Did you see the first one? I did not. Oh Ray! I'm oh my not, God! It's, I wasn't. I, I was. I wasn't the target audience for that. We'll put it that way. <laughs> no, but I have to tell you, like, okay, the first movie was great to begin with, but like the second movie preview, the first preview, I I haven't laughed out loud so hard in my life, and <laughs> just from the trailer. And then they just I'm, spoilers. If you don't like watching trailers, and I'm going to spoil a trailer for you, um, this one is him going into the internet. So they have they have infinite possibilities on what these characters can <laughs> interact with, and the um, oh, what's uh, Sarah Silverberg's character or Sarah well, Silverman? Silverman. Yeah. Um, she she gets um she she gets lost and wanders into the Disney princess like holding area <laughs> and startles them. And Cinderella <laughs> takes her glass slipper, bangs it on a desk and holds it up like a shank. Oh my God. And it makes me so happy because <laughs> Disney is full on making fun of themselves in this. And I think it's glorious. I cannot wait to see it. That's pretty good. I didn't know that Wreck-It Ralph was a Disney um, property. For some reason, well, I just assumed DreamWorks. I think it's Pixar. Oh, what? Really? Now I have to check. No, it's now not. You've, now you've got it's, me questioning. It's Walt Disney Pictures, Walt Disney Animation Studio. It's not actually Pixar. Okay, so yeah. Oh, 
okay. Yeah, I didn't, I, you know, I'm not, I didn't grow up playing video games. I mean, kind of a little Street Fighter deep dive a little bit, but I know you're, you're the hardcore, you know, gamer geek um, in this, in this duo here. So uh, yeah, I just kind of, you know, and I think at the time too, that the first one came out, I did hear good things about it. I think I was just a little fatigued when it came to, you know, the, the latest pop culture, you know, animated film or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I get I, it. I get it. That's cool, though. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad you liked the second trailer. And I'm glad that you you even, like, spoiler-warned the trailer, which is, <laughs> I feel like we've entered a new kind of, you know, this is a, this is a whole new level now of, like, avoiding spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know people are touchy about their, their cinema, so I wanted to make sure. You must spend a lot of time on the internet. <laughs> well between you and me and the internet um (laughs) like i said ray this school year will not end and there have been times where i've just been shut up and do your work and uh and yeah that's that's where i've been the last couple of weeks we're almost done we're almost there uh what have you been up to what's your weekly geekery oh well be besides continuing um reading thor Volume one, um, which is really cool. I think I talked about this last week as well. Uh, I don't really have a lot of time to kind of sit and curl up with like a good graphic novel like I used to when I was younger. But um, when I do have the have the chance to do that, when I can steal an hour here or there, um, it's just been really cool to to dive back into like this character and um, the writing is great. Um, uh, what's his name? Jason Aaron is writing this. Um, and I think I'm going to mess up this guy's name, but Isad Ribic, probably not the way that that's pronounced, uh, is doing most of the artwork. And I, you know, as an artist myself, I mean, I've, I feel like I've always kind of been really picky when it comes to like the, the artwork, uh, half of, you know, comic books and graphic novels, Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot for me to, the writing has got to be spectacular in order for me to overlook art that I'm not crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy just blows me away. He is so good at what he does. I think he's the perfect choice for this character in this book. Um, he's like this cool new m- remix of Frank Frazetta, but with some, um, I don't know, with some like heavy metal kind of thrown in uh it's just a really beautiful book and there's another artist i'm reading volume one and uh there is a fill-in issue um by uh i think butch geis i think that might i might be pronouncing that wrong but what's cool about the way they they handle the fill-in issue is that the whole issue is a a flashback and I really like that from a storytelling perspective like i really appreciate when they find a way to you know, work another a new artist or a different artist into the story, so it doesn't feel so jarring. Right. Um, yeah. So so it's really cool. And I mean, this this story this this story's old. This book first came out in 2013. I'm catching up to this. It's kind of thing like I do with you know Netflix shows. I actually prefer to wait and allow like the seasons to kind of build up so that I can binge <laughs> a bunch right, of right, seasons right. all at once. That, that's kind of what I'm doing with this, and I'm, I'm glad I waited, but I'm really glad that I picked it up and it didn't just kind of fall through the, to the wayside like a lot of stuff that I want to check out does. Um, yeah, this book is awesome. Uh, and besides reading Thor, 
uh, I kind of went over to my sports geek uh, side this week and I watched this old documentary or rather older, not brand new documentary um, about OJ Simpson, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, nowadays is infamous. Um, but I grew up because I, I grew up watching uh, football, a lot of football with my dad. Um, you know, I grew up knowing OJ as a running back and um, this documentary that I watched this week, it's called OJ Made in America. And it's it's a five part documentary that was made in 2016. And each part is like an hour and a half long. So it's a really long, in-depth look at um, O.J. Simpson from his days growing up and his time in college football and the NFL to, you know, obviously all of the, the stuff that happened later. Um, and this this documentary does a great job of weaving into the story, you know, the, the setting. So it, it spends a lot of time um, on Los Angeles, on, you know, evolving um race issues in the city that definitely played a role and like impacted, you know, the uh, OJ's trial um, and just the overall kind of public reaction to everything that was going on. So they talk about the Watts riots, they talk about Rodney King, they talk about, you know, the riots that, that resulted from that whole bullshit thing that went down. Um, so it's, it's an amazing documentary. I love a really well-made documentary. Um, I managed to binge this, five-part documentary twice this week oh wow (laughs) yeah man i uh it's the kind of thing where um i really like having stuff on in the background when i'm doing other things um even painting you know when i'm working on a painting um i like to have a movie on in the background whatnot so i watched the documentary once uh kind of couple days of the week I, i split it up to five parts and then after that i was just you know when you finish something like this and you're like Oh, I want something else that good. <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, okay, let's keep this going. What else in this same vein can I also can I can I go on to next? And you know, sometimes there's just nothing else out there that's gonna give you that same fix. Uh-huh. I said, you know what? Screw this. Instead of looking for something else, I'm just gonna replay this, but I'll have it on while I'm doing other things. Um, and that that did it for me. So I I kind of did half comic book geek, half sports geek uh, this week, but I had a hell of a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, and I I do that with um, urban fantasy. I'll get like two or three things into like a book or whatever, and there's just not it's not as prevalent as other genres out there. And then I run yeah. out of, and I'm like, I, I need a fix, but there's nothing to go to. <laughs> it reminded me of like going to the comic book sh- store and grabbing your your pool list, you know, and um whatever the, the stack they have waiting for you, and it's like. I don't know how you approach this. And there might be like two minds to this. There might be like, you're either this comic book fan or you're that comic book fan. But um, I saved the the thing I was most looking forward to, to the end. Yes. So I would read my least favorite thing first and then work my way to my favorite thing. And now that I think about it, I'm like, a lot of those first couple of reads, like I collected those way too long, like way longer than why I should have. Been. Why am I still reading this? I'm really not enjoying it and not looking forward to reading it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Maybe I would have enjoyed them more if I just read what I wanted to read first. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that I wasn't yeah. like punishing myself. <laughs> it's too funny. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
<laughs> so, so, you know, I would get, and, and there was different favorite things over the course of, you know, my comic book fandom for a long time. It was Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. Like that was my mm-hmm, favorite mm-hmm. title for a long time. Uh, for when I was reading Preacher, it was that. When I was reading Sandman, it was that. And it's like, you get to that book and you read it and it's so good. And you're like, oh, I just want to have that experience again right now. But you've got to wait, you know, another month for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it felt finishing this documentary. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's but, awesome. It's nice when you can find something because it sounds like it might have been a little bit unexpected. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things that was just on my list and I forgot it, it was on there. And that's the thing. Like, I read a lot about entertainment and I there's a lot. There's I always have this huge list of like things that I'm anticipating. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so long that the thing comes out that I was anticipating and I forget about it and I don't get to it. <laughs> so sometimes I have to go back to that list and go like, oh, that thing that I was waiting for, it came out two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should go back and check that out. And so this was one of those. Well, that's awesome. Sounds like you had yeah, some man. some good some good quality time with some sports. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was in full geek mode in in various ways this week. That's awesome. Well, very cool. Um, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but I was on the Slack when I should have been working, and <laughs> um, somebody was posting about. And I know part of the conversation was with Rob, but somebody was posting about decorating your rooms and man caves and and geek dens and all the different things that, you know, how you decorate. And um, both Rob and I have um, are, are in a living situation where our significant other does not appreciate our um, <laughs> statuary, <laughs> if you will be. <laughs> If uh, you will indulge that that term for all our action <laughs> figures and pop figures, um, and I've slowly let them creep into uh, my side of the office, but but it is for the most part a relatively ungeeky uh, household. And so we were talking about different um, uh, action figures and how we display them, and I kind of said that I had my displayed at school because you know uh i had like a little shelf that i put all my little stuff that kids gave me or or favorite figures and stuff and i i pulled down my um scarlet witch this old scarlet witch figure i have when she used to be one of my favorite characters and then i remembered that i had um hidden a box of my x-men action figures at school because I won't bring them into the house. <laughs> and, uh, and so I opened it up to say, I'm like, what is in here? And I'm, I'm like, I'm put, posting pictures and Rob is like guessing what things are in the box. And so I was like, you know what? There is no reason why I can't have this stuff on my desk. I already have a, a green arrow and a Hawkeye um, action figure that uh, a colleague gave me for a Secret Santa gift over Christmas. And I have my Scooby Doo pop figures, so I'm like, all right, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna display some stuff. So I, I just got them today. I have the little, um, little discs that you can put the, the you know, little hole in the feet. Going. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I got a bunch on. of those. So one of the things I'm gonna do on my my day off tomorrow is I am going to select which um, X Men figurines need to be on my desk. And and get them all propped up. So that's my my geeky decorating thing that I'm going to be doing this week. I'm very excited about it. 
that sounds like a project of pure joy. Yes. Like there's no, like the hardest thing is going to be which ones, like, I feel like they have to be in rotation. So like, how am I, how am I going to start? Like, do we go with the, the giant size X-Men? Do we, do we go with the original five? Like, how is this going? If I do, is, is this with professor X is without professor X? Like there are some major decisions to be made tomorrow. That sounds like Christmas morning. <laughs> That's what that sounds like. Yes, and I will have to. I will post pictures on the Slack channel and and possibly Twitter uh, once I have it. Just so because uh, I am very excited about this. Now I am looking for one of my um, Colossus figures because I have an an older Colossus figure that's kind of smaller, but I also have a a bigger Colossus somewhere. I may have it at school somewhere. And I have a juggernaut, and after Deadpool two, I need to I need to Colossus juggernaut my desk. Oh yes, please please get your hands on a toy bus. Yes, yes. <laughs> Even if it's a tiny little one, like just the significance <laughs> of it being there, like a little micro machine bus would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I did that, and um, and I haven't I haven't bought the rights yet, so I can't officially say that I'm doing the play, but I don't think it's going to be a problem to get the rights. Next year, my juniors are going to be doing a play called She Kills Monsters, and I think I've mentioned it on this show before. Yeah. Um, it's about a, a woman who loses her significantly younger sister and parents in a car accident, and while she's packing up the house she finds a D module that her sister wrote and she gets one of the students at her school to to run her through it and by doing that she learns a whole bunch about her her little sister that she didn't know when she was alive and it's very touching it's very um like i every time i i read it or, or see i tear up a little bit because it's a very very touching show but um it's got me very excited because it's combining like pure geekiness with um with theater and it's set in the 90s which is kind of when i was you know in the height of high school oh man so this it's like just, <laughs> yeah yeah th- th- this is gonna be in an i'm gonna have more fun directing the show um but because it it goes it toggles between the real world and and this dungeons and dragons campaign where they're actually in the the world and fighting these creatures i have to figure out how to depict these creatures on stage do i do it with costumes do i do it with props like how do i do it and they're like a lot of monsters there are like a lot of monsters in this show um so i've been looking up puppetry and And it is, it is like I don't know if I don't I don't know how much geekier you get than than looking up puppetry to do in a D and D play. Like I feel like this is like new levels of cosplay meets Dungeons and Dragons meets theater. So um, that's been I think the geekiest I could have ever been all at one time. Yeah, that sounds about right. I love. <laughs> I love how like you're evolving into like mega Hogan where you're finding ways to just overlap and combine all your different geekdoms, you know, like <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> it's so efficient. Yes. Well, you gotta get, you gotta get that geekiness in there. And sometimes there's just not time with work. So you just, you know, you, you just insert it into work and it's fine. Um, <laughs> 
No, I, I've always loved doing shows that like it's it's fun to do the deep, meaningful, amazing shows. Into the in in the Heights was amazing. There was nothing geeky about it other than, oh, my God, I'm a theater geek and this is amazing. <laughs> but, like, I absolutely loved producing something called um, New Kids at Vampire High, which oh. completely spoofs all the, like, it's uh, everything from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Twilight to Glee and High School Musical, like, all spoofed in one show. And Harry Potter, like everything in this one show, it was so much fun. Oh my God, it was so much fun. And that's, I just, I love it when you can kind of take, I mean, I, this has always been my, my, my fandom is when you can take things and mix them up and look at them in a different light. So yeah, I, this is going to be a very, very challenging, but very, very, very fun play to direct. Well, as we're going to get more into uh, later on this podcast, apparently the ability to, you know, adapt the thing you love, you love, or allow it to evolve into something new and see it in a new light is like a unique skill amongst geeks. Apparently, yes, yes. <laughs> so kudos to you. <laughs> um, and and this is a, another another interesting thing about this play. It will consist of the first uh, same sex kiss. On my stage, nice. Which I am, I am, oh, yeah. I am already ready. To, I am already posturing to take on any naysayers. Oh my <laughs> god, I am ready. Um, but you know, this is a reality, and you know, yeah. federally, federally, we are allowed to get married. And um, last time I checked, most of these ceremonies end with a kiss. So, come at me, bro. Right, nice. I see you. You already got your. You already got your first line of defense. There, that's good. Oh yeah, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. <laughs> Um, and the last thing that this kind of that kind of springs into the last thing that I just watched um, a new show on FX called Pose. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Um, this is not geek genre, but I am so like we just finished an episode before we started recording, and um, <laughs> and I'm I'm going to be a little obsessed with this. I think um, it is about well, first of all, it's a Ryan Murphy production, so it kind of steers you in the direction of what kind of genre we're working in yeah uh, um but it is about the drag ball scene in new york in the late 80s and drag balls are kind of like uh it's where vogue voguing was yeah. created and um you know very fanciful costumes and and basically people who were gay and transgender and queer in the late eighties, usually of, of color creating a space for themselves to be safe and to be social. And, um, and it very much deals with this idea of, um, found family, which a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of cultures have that concept of, of found family, but it's also a very foreign thing to some very, um, I don't know, cis white family structures. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that you like when your family rejects you, you go out and create your own. And so it, or you shoot them. Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's, this takes place in the eighties, not, not no. 2018. Right. right, right. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I, I just am fascinated by it because it's not an, it's, I mean, a lot of gay, 
TV and cinema deals with the early 80s with the outbreak of AIDS or our post-AIDS epidemic kind of idea, um, this is right in the middle where people know what it is and know how you get it and and it, they're more aware, but it still hasn't gotten, you know, it's still for many a very big death sentence. And so it's just a very, it's a, it's a time in gay culture where um, that's not always explored as often as, you know, the beginning of the AIDS epidemic and, mm. and you know, the, the civil rights movement of, of gay culture. So it's just a very fascinating show that I am, am encouraging people to go and, and look at because I think it's something that needs to be seen. Yeah, that sounds like a brilliant concept for a show. Uh, and it feels like so timely as well. Like, oh, it's very, very much so. And it also has the um, the largest cast of transgender actors in a TV series. That's dope. Wasn't there – there's a famous documentary, right, called – I think it's called Paris is Burning. And it's like yes. all about ball – like New York's ball culture. Yeah. That was great. I remember seeing that a few years ago, and that like blew me away. That was I'm like, going to have to go back and look at that because I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, I think it's called Paris is Burning. I'm sure someone will correct me in, <laughs> if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, check that out. Um, if for anyone listening who wants, you know, maybe to check out the show and have some a little more info on, on that whole scene beforehand. Um, yeah, that sounds yes. great. Yeah, I'm. I I I I foresee this. This may be premature, but I foresee myself geeking out about this show. <laughs> um, I, I I like it when I see, and this is going to lead into I think our our topic for today is is um, when you start evolving your fandoms, you start looking for things that are more in line with your worldview. Yeah, yeah. This this makes another FX show that you are stoked on, right? Um, what would I'm trying to think of what other one it is? Oh, maybe I was. I thought there was another one, couple of shows maybe that were on FX, the X Men based shows. No, maybe I'm thinking um, of Hulu instead. Well, I I haven't seen. I, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I've not seen Legion yet. Oh, okay, okay. But I think that's I think that's an FX. Um, I are you thinking Sense Eight? Uh, yeah, I think that's what I was thinking of. Or Gifted. That's no, Isn't the Gifted? Gifted is on Fox. Okay, yeah, I yeah. feel like FX. Well, it makes sense, right? Because Fox owns the the X Men property, but um, or at least has rights to it. But I feel like FX has shows that are that that kind of uh, uh, are tapping into these like different like subcultures that people want to like geek out on, you know? Yeah, and I, I bravo to them because again, anything. You know, I didn't necessarily think that this is something you would see on FX, but I'm I'm very impressed by it. Yeah, cool. Very and if cool. Katie's listening, it has James Vanderbeek in it. So, oh my god, there, there's that. Katie's lost her mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that's what I've been up to, and Sounds that's what good. you've been up to. Yeah. And we're going to take a quick break and listen to a couple commercials, and we will be back. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the Geek to Geek podcast. Well, we make it. 
it is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. And we're back. And before we start talking about our main topic, uh, just a little tidbit on each of the shows this week on our network. I know that the Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea that came out this week, I think it's still Katie um, without Chelsea. I think Chelsea's still internetless. But uh, they're talking, I think she's talking with her sister about Pixar movies. Ah, internet listen Ireland. It could be um, a topic for a romantic comedy. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Void and Beige spent so much time talking about Solo that they never got to their actual topic of the week last week. So I think <laughs> this week they are just catching up on geekiness. I think it's just kind of a big weekly geekery, geeky stuff they wanted to talk about episode. So uh, definitely check those two out. We, however, are going to get a little political. Um, we're going to try very hard not to to prophetize, <laughs> but we are going to um, be talking about how fandoms evolve with with you, and they should. And if they're not, you might be doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you're going to have to keep me in check here. <laughs> I have no problem getting political. Um, I feel like if anything, it's, it's the opposite for me. I, I have a hard time kind of not going, you know, deep dive into um, my political leanings and how that really does inform so much of, you know, what I'm into and, and what I'm about and what I want to, what I'm interested in, you know, the mm -hmm. things that, the things that I feel are of consequence are, are largely, you know, tied to, to my political, uh, ideology, I guess. Um, but yeah, but, but I mean, that's why we're talking about this today because, um, it does have an impact on geekdom for sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's funny because I mean, um, uh, you know, this is why I kind of started state of the geek, which I apologize to anybody who listens to both shows. I know we have not put out an episode in like two months, but, um, I'll, I'll explain on our next episode why, and we are we are set to record next week. So you will have a state of the geek coming up soon. So so yes, um, but yeah, no, absolutely. It does like the the more and I is it even is it even cool to say woke anymore? I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's just not. I feel like the people who say woke are not. That's very very perceptive of you. Joe, I feel like, you know, I was, I mean, you teach high school. I was a sub for a long time and I always had that question uh, that in, in me of, if I'm aware of this, does that mean it's over? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the, the younger crowd will let you know, you know, one way or the other. Uh, um, I definitely, once I had students um, kind of wanting to share memes with me and, and, and kind of myself share back and forth as well, I realized, okay, the, the meme thing is still funny <laughs> and I'm, yeah. and I'm, you know, kind of, uh, I, I, I can grasp that. I'm, I can be a part of that. Um, but yeah, some stuff it's just, you know, and, and you gotta, I don't know. I believe in, in meeting people where they are. So if someone wants to talk about being woke and that's kind of where they are and, and, you know, that's the terminology they're using fine, you know, like let's talk about good for you. you know? <laughs> let's talk about it. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, the the my point was is that the more uh, socially aware you are, the more it's hard not to kind of reevaluate your fandoms and what you, what you're consuming as a geek, and and not pick up on mm, mm, this might actually be problematical or this might actually be toxic or this might actually be uh, not as as appropriate as I once thought. Yeah, you've you've mentioned on a few of our recent episodes, uh, kind of your experience with the latest book that you're listening to, correct? Yes. What was that? What was that book again? What was that title? Well, there's two of them. There's there's the Dresden Files, and there is the um, the Iron Druid series, and um, both of the protagonists are very white cis male, very. Um, aware of the opposite sex physically and both kind of claim it and own it as a shortcoming. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, just by saying that it's wrong, doesn't make it okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and, and it, it is not something, it's not something that like, I still enjoy the books, but they will do things here and there. The authors will do things here and there that make me kind of bristle where I'm like, Oh, I really didn't need to, to, <laughs> to connect with the, the, the material in that way. Like I didn't need to know that that's what the character was thinking. And, and so it's a little bit, sometimes it does pull me out of the enjoyment of it because I'm kind of like, I, I, I have issues with that. Uh, and you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't you multiple books into at least one of those series? I am three books into, I'm on the fourth book in the Iron Druid series, and I'm like on the seventh or eighth book in the Dresden Files. That's really interesting because you can almost kind of track your trajectory in terms of, you know, maybe what you're thinking about or what you're considering politically or socially, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. like, is, is it a question of these books are getting more problematic or is it more a question of like, oh, these books have just been like this and I'm starting to see it more? It's that it's, it's, I, I am more aware of where, where those problems may creep in. And again, we had, we actually had a, a good conversation with uh, a couple people on, um, on Slack about how they felt about the, um, you know, do the same thing, questioning what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate. Is it, you know, is it okay that the character feels that way because it is a character flaw that other people exploit in them? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I don't, and I know at least with the Dresden Files, I've I've listened to a lot of other Jim Butcher stuff, and I don't think that he himself 
thinks that any of this stuff is okay or inappropriate. I think he just made a character decision. The character is supposed to be very noir, so it does have those um, sensibilities. You know, yeah. he won't he won't hit a woman. He won't. Um, um, he 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 pays special attention to not liking to. He's got that. He's he calls it chivalry. <laughs> he calls he calls it chivalry. He calls <laughs> it chivalry, and 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 it's Vicky realizes it's old fashioned, and he realizes that it's not contemporary or PC, but it's who he is. Yeah, and and I think that the characters, the 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 women characters in the book are strong, are independent. I don't think they're usually used as MacGuffins to for further the plot along, mm-hmm. but. But when those things come up, it does kind of pull me out of it because it's kind of like it, it feels unnecessary, even for the character. Yeah, that's it's really interesting for um, a genre like film noir to kind of engage with these issues because I mean I think probably part of like some of the tropes that are inherent to the to the genre could be seen as um, behind the times could be seen as socially unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Right. Although, I mean, I wonder if someone were to take kind of our, our, our contemporary view of these things and, and look at, you know, the whole, uh, um, M. kind of character type. I wonder if there is some agency to be found there where those, mm-hmm. those, you know what I mean? Those femme fatale yeah. characters were advancing and influencing the plot. They had agency, right? right. Um, yeah, that'd be really interesting to, to kind of take a closer look at. Uh, it must be tricky to write film noir now. I mean, I just watched, I rewatched LA Confidential last weekend. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And just so well done. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really interesting to see how they how how it's evolved because that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about today was uh, not just you know the things that we're consuming now and how you know <laughs> we're kind of absorbing them in a different way with a different through a different lens, but the thing that that really I find difficult is when I go back to something that I loved once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't hold up, <laughs> right? And which well, is honestly like most things, you know. Well, I think I, I went into it maybe last week when I was talking about trying to pick a, a a play to produce for next year, a musical, and and a lot of the stuff is just like, even if it was revolutionary for the time, it's just not doable in this political climate. Yeah, we're moving like, so fast too. Yeah, it's like the the the. The sexism is is evident or the blatant racism is evident or, you know, there's just mm-hmm. so many things where I'm just like, I, I don't feel right putting this on my stage because it is not telegraphing well what it's trying to telegraph. I, yeah. I, I go back to Bye Bye Birdie and the, the song Spanish Rose. It's about racism and it's about her trying to be trying to have her own agency in in dealing with you know her boyfriend's mother and and 
calling her out on her racism, but in doing so, it's exceedingly racist. And um, and so at the time, I think it was very revolutionary. I think now it's hard to look at that unless you're putting it in a very period context. And I don't know that in this political climate, people are able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, it, it. And I think it's one thing when you're coming at something that you previously enjoyed. Um, and because that initial enjoyment was there, it's kind of always going to be a part of your rewatching that or, or, you know, consuming mm-hmm. that once again. Uh, whereas if someone's coming at that thing for the, for the first time, they're, they're not bringing any of that previous kind right. of nostalgia with them. I watched, Absolutely. LA, I, I watched LA confidential with someone that had never seen it. And so my thing is like, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, some of these characters are, that are, that are supposed to be the heroes of the story are problematic um, but you know, that's, that's part of it. And you take it with, you accept it with the time that the story was told. Um, but you know, there's a point in the film where, um, Russell Crowe's character, uh, hit, beats, hits a woman, like, like strikes the, the, the woman that he's, you know, supposed to be uh, interested in. And, and for the person that I was watching that film with at that moment, they were like, this person is no longer. You know, this person is no longer a protagonist or, or a, a likable person in any way. Like there's no coming right. back from that. Right. And I, I had to, you know, admit that, yeah, that's, that's, I see no, no reason to, to look at that any other way besides the fact that I watched this film when I was in college and I really liked it. And that wasn't as big a deal at that time, even though it should have been to me, you know? Right. And I think that's the, that's one of the big things is that, a lot of the stuff is, you know, you know, one of the one of the big. We're in the middle of election season. Um, I, I voted today for primaries, and and the idea that, um, you know, we may be voting in or voting for our first um, black woman for governor is ever like is is kind of like it's 2018 really this is the first woman that has a chance at being you know it's one of those things that it feels like it should have like you're surprised but you're not surprised right right and that's kind of the double uh that's kind of the the double take for a lot of these communities is you know on one hand someone out there is um, singing the praises of like, you know, hey, this is the first time, yay. But the flip side of that is, oh my God, is this really the first time? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What the hell? Should we really be proud of this, you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, you have on here, you have toxic fandoms. How, how do you want to well, weave that into the equation? Well, because one of the things, I'm just, you know, b- beyond... I think um, beyond saying what I believe is maybe uh, the not not the right way to go about things, or maybe you know I want people to maybe consider a different point of view. If someone's being pro- problematic, um, yes, I want to address that, um, but I don't think it ends there. I think that should carry on to, you know, maybe, um, 
And the next step would be now, like, how do you go forward uh, trying to consider this this other point of view or an experience that is not your own? Um, Mm -hmm. And so in talking in thinking about this, I'm like, okay, there's I think a lot of what people react to where they don't want to they don't want politics to get mixed up with their favorite things is because of that nostalgia is because they want to just watch their favorite movie or read their favorite book and and you know from from years before with within this current kind of climate social climate um they don't want that to infect their enjoyment of that thing Mm -hmm. and so i can understand that um but i think beyond just telling someone they're doing something wrong or they shouldn't have that belief or they should, you know, it's not okay to, you know, treat that, uh, uh, female character like a prop. Um, I think there should be ways to, to take the next step and say, okay, well, what can we do or how can we be inclusive while at the same time, you know, calling out that problematic behavior. And it's the term that I see being used a lot is, is calling in, Right. So instead of calling someone out and kind of ostracizing them because of, you know, messing up, everyone messes up. Nobody gets mm-hmm, it right 100 mm-hmm. percent of the time. Nobody anywhere ever gets it right 100 percent of the time. And so I think people have the wrong idea where they're where they're maybe feeling anxiety about saying the wrong thing or, you know, uh, uh, supporting the wrong thing. Um, I think if you instead when, when I put my energies towards listening and learning when I do the wrong thing, suddenly it doesn't become so uh, uh, scary, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so that got me thinking about toxic fandoms. That got me thinking about why people, I don't don't just want to say, oh yeah, Star Wars fans are shitty, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. because because they just, you know, so many Star Wars fans just can't See, or, or can't seem to evolve with the property that they supposedly love. Um, yeah, but we know that, you know? So, right, right. so for going from there, like now what? And I want to, I'm really interested in trying to understand why they're reacting the way they are. And, you know, what, what is there a way to move forward and say, look, this is why this is important. Or just, you know, if this is not for you, this is not for you, but it doesn't mean you have to tear it down for someone else or literally tear someone else down. Yes. Well, which hap- is happening. <laughs> it's, it's, well, before we get to that, just on, I saw uh, a comic on Facebook the other day where somebody's like, oh, this is terrible. This is whatever. This is, and then somebody comes up and just holds a finger to their lip and goes, shh, let people enjoy their things. And that's like, and it was just so perfect because it's true. It's like, everybody's like, this is what's wrong with it. This is what's wrong. And it's like, just, just let them, if, if, if you don't like it, just let them enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool to see those ripples of nuance kind of start to build, like to gain steam. Yeah. You know, because I think when, when we find something, when we find a new take on something where we're, really uh good at kind of blasting that out and saying oh this is why this thing is wrong or this is what's wrong with this thing um and just with the way social media and technology works nowadays i mean the platforms that are available to people mean that a lot of times that first take is the only thing that we absorb Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's just the calling out it's just the saying oh you know this is problematic because of this 
but really in life and you know obviously every geeky thing that we love nuance is super important mm-hmm. um social media isn't really good at nuance no we, like. we still haven't come up with the sarca- our sarcasm font so you know right. that happens, I, I think we're dead in the right. water right and i think it's really awesome to start to see these communities um marginalized communities geek communities start to recognize that hey you know what more than one thing can exist at a time Mm -hmm. you know this thing can be problematic and i can still love it for all the reasons that i love it yeah Yeah. right and but that's tricky though because i feel like that nuance has to be earned you know too too often it's one thing to say hey yeah you know that that is problematic but you know what let people enjoy things but you can very easily take that phrase and use it to brush off any criticism that is actual actually valid. That's true. Right? And I think that's that's where that's where people I feel like myself plant their their you know their foot in this in the mud and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we're eager to, you know, explain away why we're still allowed to enjoy this, there needs to be some kind of there needs to feel like there's some kind of reckoning, some kind of of general consensus of like, yes, we are in agreement that, you know, this community is suffering or that, you know, this property is problematic. Now, having all kind of generally agreed on that, now we can move forward and say, okay, well, what are the what are the different ways or, or what are the different nuanced ways that we can still enjoy it or, you know, kind of hold both truths to be to be evident right and that's and that's i think a step that a lot of people miss right yeah and it's because it's hard man you know like it's it takes thoughtfulness and again there's no thoughtfulness emoji <laughs> you know there's no there's no stamp there's there's no you know blue check mark next to your name that says hey i'm thoughtful and yes you know i know that i'm you know uh, uh really into the royal wedding right now and i really want to talk about all the fashion and I want to talk about, you know, all the gossip and stuff. And then you have people finger wagging and saying, Hey, you know, you shouldn't allow, you shouldn't be into that because you know, it's a monarchy and it's just, you know, another oppressor, blah, blah. And yes, that's all, all of that is true. And at the same time, people, you know, should, should be able to still enjoy their creature comfort about it. Right. Right. Well, and is there, is there something valuable to be able to divide up, a concept and say this is what's good about it this is what's bad about it and fully analyze it as a whole and not just reduce it to one side or the other right because nothing is all one side well i don't want to say nothing but because <laughs> there i go trying to make it black and white right um very 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 few things if anything is all one or the other there is nuance nuance exists in life um but you know, it's like it's a process, man. It's like I, so. I'm I'm currently uh, earning a master's degree in fine art. Mm-hmm. I'm a painting, mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that I think about a lot, and therefore I bring it up in class because I want to talk about it with other artists, is what are we allowed to to paint? You know what what are we allowed to portray? Um, and I think for a lot of people, this goes in with um, fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a white person. Am I allowed to have dreadlocks? Yes or no? You know, is that insensitive? Am I appropriating someone's culture? You know, 
Um, and so when I'm, you know, as a male artist, when I'm painting the image of a woman, I'm thinking, I, for me, a big part of that is be, before I even start the painting, I want to investigate within myself, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what am I saying with this? This is a responsibility. And I think that's it. That's, that's, I'm, you know, I don't think anyone is necessarily... I think it's tricky when you say you can't do this or you can't do that because there's someone right behind me that can tell me the same mm-hmm. thing. And so it's, it's the thoughtfulness that becomes important. It's the discussion. It's, it's the be- willingness to kind of question yourself. And I think one of the things that make, cause I think both of about, you're obviously an artist and I, I do consider myself an artist. It's just my medium is theater. Um, I, I think it's important for us to be, like if you're if you're not having that kind of consideration, then I I question how much thought you're putting into what you're doing. Like I feel like that's part of the creative process is that conversation. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, for anyone listening to this right now, fuming and just like finding every you know a uh, uh, gap in logic to what I'm saying, just keep this in mind that this is my process. This is, these are the things that are important to me that I think about. And these are the arguments that work for me. I'm not by any means telling anyone else that this should be the rules that they live by. <laughs> right. So if this is not your process or, is there, or if some of these things that I'm bringing up are not things that you want to consider before you watch a star Wars movie or before you, you know, rant and rave about the latest star Wars film on Twitter, then, you know, do it your way. Right. But I think everyone should at this point recognize that, we all share responsibility. Yeah, and I, I think I think this episode is not a, a finger wagging episode. I think for us, it is generally an exploration of how we relate to our fandoms and how how that has evolved for us over over time. And um, you know, we're not we're not trying to lecture anybody. We're kind of intellectually exploring the idea. If you want to be lectured to, I got another podcast for that. Um, <laughs> this is not that one. <laughs> Yeah, I and and honestly, a lot of I'm talking just from my own experience and and kind of the the path that I have been walking for the last several years. Um, there was a time where I was very torn between what I thought was important in terms of the social justice lens and what I enjoyed in terms of the kind of entertainment and storytelling that I wanted to consume. Mm-hmm. And for me, for a long time, they were very divided. Mm-hmm. Might be like, you know, hey, I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. Um, most of my favorite stand-up comics are like cis white dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Like I never felt like I shouldn't be a fan of, of those comics, but I did recognize that, okay, there's, there's a very particular worldview or voice that I'm consuming when I'm, I'm listening to these comics. And then it'd be like, Oh, look, here's this, um, you know, woman of color comic. And that's great because there's not enough of those and we need more of them. Um, but I wasn't a fan of them. And at the time, I, like I said, I was really torn for a long time. Cause I was like, well, I know that that's important. Um, I want to support it, but I just really I'm not a fan of that comedian's material or whatnot. Um, And sometimes I thought, you know, it seems like if I, if I had a friend who was a fan of that comics material, it, it, I hesitated to think like, well, 
are they a fan for the material or is the fact that that is a female of color or woman of color, mm. sorry, um, you know, is that more important than the comedy that is being presented? Um, but now I look at it as, you know, when, when I see an, an, an advertisement for something, whether it's a, you know, a comedy special or a movie or whatnot, if it's told from a certain voice that I feel like inundated by already, I'm already right. turned off. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not necessarily interested in, you know, another movie about, you know, a, a cis white guy who is dating or, you know, is in this like, you know, funny scenario or is in this action movie. And I'm just like, I've, you know, there's, there's plenty of that option already. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've come to the point now where it's like, oh, I want to check out that other point of view that that becomes as important as the story to me now. And so I feel like I've come all the way to the other side of that. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm finding myself seeking out those things, those different perspectives because, because it does feel interesting. It does feel exciting. It does feel new. Um, That's why I'm I'm so into pose right now because it's not, I, I, this is a, this is a, a bias that I live with. I, I exist in a world of middle aged gay white men. Like that is, that is the the friend group that happens to surround me in in a lot of my my socialization and it, this this is not about them and that's a you know even even in marginalized communities there are marginalized communities and and yep. a lot of gay cinema a lot of gay television is focused on the white gay guy and and this is not yeah. and and to me that's exciting because it gives me the opportunity to to see a different perspective and to to partake in something that um that I do feel like I need to know more about. Right, right. And you know when I see Marvel cast recast their Thor comic, you know, with a woman as Thor, or you know Hulk as an Asian guy, or Iron Man as a young African American girl. I don't, for me, I don't see, oh, you know, they're, they're following the rules dictated by, you know, the social justice, you know, climate that we're in now. I, I, I don't I can see how people could kind of knee jerk mm-hmm. react to that position, but I don't see that. I see like, oh, Marvel is recognizing that they've told a lot of stories about like cis white dudes and like now they want to tell this story. Because there's probably people that, you know, want a story like and, and this. Those, and there's you people I mean? out there that don't even know that they want that story because they haven't been exposed to that story. And I think that's a big part of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a point and I just lost it. it, it it's I, Go ahead. I feel like what what's tricky, too, is when you're looking at a business, a lot of people, I feel that their justification is, well, what is mm-hmm, making money? Mm-hmm. Right, because if this story is not selling, then the market should dictate what stories we tell. But on the flip side of that, I mean, I always think of this is kind of—I don't know if this is related in any way—but I think of like really famous bands in the '70s and '80s that, um, because of the culture of the move of the music industry at that time, like their first two albums completely mm-hmm. flopped. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Like there was a time, there was a point in time in the music industry where young artists uh, were cult were you know really 
had the support of their uh, of their label over a long period of time, and they weren't necessarily looking for the next like one hit wonder or the next you know like instant star. They were willing to allow a, a musician or a musical artist to kind of find themselves and find their voice over time. And some of these are like major, major acts that we all know of as like brilliant. Yet at the you know when their first album came out, fucking nobody right, wanted to right, listen to that shit, you know. And so in those cases, the the market wasn't used as a, a justification to kind of quell mm-hmm. that voice, right? And so I think that it's it's very dangerous when you just say you know well allow money to decide things because of what I just stated, but also because you know the market is not like immune to influence and also controlled by you know the the group in power, you know. So that's another thing to think about. Um, I really hope that I know that Marvel, you know, reverted back to a lot of the the classic leads and a lot of their titles, but. It's comic books. That was right. always going to happen. <laughs> like that, that was part of a huge story, you know, um, uh, regardless of what the sales were like on those books. Um, I still, to this day, am constantly find, turning people on right. to those stories. People that are asking me because they know I'm into comics, you know, hey, what, you know, recommend a title or two that I would like. And knowing them and knowing, you know, what would appeal to them, I recommend those Marvel books, even though sadly they're not, you know, uh, necessarily being continued yeah. to this day. Um, what I, I remembered what I was going to say is I, one of the things I'm most looking forward to, and I didn't realize it was coming out this weekend, but it's coming out this weekend. I'm so excited is um, I think I've mentioned on this program multiple times that my absolute favorite genre of movie is a heist movie. And, yeah. And <laughs> Oceans 8 is coming out next weekend. And I cannot oh, yeah. wait to see it just because it's my favorite genre in a different way and i'm excited to see what they do with it and to see and i hope it's successful i hope it's i mean it's already getting that toxic panning of oh they're just you know replacing the whole cast with women it's it's the the new rage to do and it's like well maybe it's because there's stories there that haven't been told yet and i I personally am looking forward to seeing what they do because they think these are characters that we're not expecting their characters that we're not used to and i want to see what they do with it i'm so excited to see this movie yeah so i got a question for you but um first i want to mention that i did see this great thing on twitter and twitter is like my favorite thing um, (laughs) ever but uh someone pointed out someone pointed out in response to that uh that actually nothing is being replaced because this uh, oceans 8 is not a reboot it is takes place in the same universe and all of the other ocean movies still happened this is a uh what is it called not an offshoot but this is um this is just expanding those stories like literally there's no remaking or rebooting of any of those ocean stories these are characters that also exist in the same world that those stories took place yeah yeah and nobody's burning <laughs> so, copies uh, of the originals and nobody's burning the copies of the, the first reboot and nobody's doing anything right. um, weird or strange to George Clooney. So we're all good. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, this is, this is where I feel like it, it's kind of evident that it becomes more about the stories being told as opposed to 
you know, the harm being done, quote unquote, harm to the original properties. Um, it, it feels to me like it starts to be more about silencing the voices that <laughs> some people don't want to be yeah. out there. Um, so the question I have for you, Joe, is why, uh, what do you think it is about the, these, the fans of these stories that, that make them feel so protective of them, where I feel like if you look at a, a, a genre like zombie stories, okay, um, there's literally no reason to make a zombie story nowadays unless you have a new take right. and you're evolving the story in some way, whether it's point of view, whether it's the setting in terms of time or in terms of location, right? Or, or even evolving the zombie itself. Um, for some reason, that fandom says, yeah, bring it. You know, like, oh, there's a new take or it's, you know, it, it, the story revolves around a new voice. Please bring it on. Like, like that, that fandom will show up. But when it's something like Star Wars, it seems, or even fucking Ghostbusters of all things, <laughs> or, or the Oceans movies now, it seems like they, you know, a lot of fans of those properties push against the evolution or the new take or the new voice. Uh, well, I think, I think the zombie fandom is a special instance because they are special um no and because because from the very beginning zombie horror is more about um social commentary than it is about zombies and it always has been ah but you know joe but you know i feel like i could point at any of those other properties that i just mentioned as also having social commentary Mm, but is it intrinsic or is it just or is it coincidental? Because mm. because because Good I question. do think that George Romero's stuff and that's where a lot of zombie um, genre comes from is is political in some way or another. You know the 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 original one had had racial implications. The um, Day of the Dead was the one with the um, no, Dawn of the Dead was the the mall, right? Wasn't that all about consumerism? Yeah, yeah. I, right. Well, I feel like you could split hairs though, man, because that Ghostbusters original film was such a fucking Reagan '80s movie that the EPA is the bad guy in that film, and the 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 you know the heroes are the struggling you know entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? Like. The, the 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 first libertarians kind of maybe you know but I, mean? I but i i don't think they set out to make a political statement with ghostbusters they meant they set out to make a comedy mm. where i think with zombie horror a lot of times they're making i mean again even with walking dead i you know i do think it's become um misery porn at this point but it it is supposed to be looking at humanity at its worst like it, it, it there there is a there's still a social commentary there it's kind of built into the genre so do you think with the the latest you know with star wars episode eight do you think that these choices or or maybe the, the politics inherent in in these or in, included in these stories um do you think it's still kind of like a, a 
incidental thing or do you think fans are reacting to feeling like they're now moving it into the the central focus of these stories and that's what they're I think about. they're upset about a change in the agency the, the people who have agency in the films I think that it is a lot of cis white males very very uncomfortable with the idea of others entering their fandoms and I think that's uh, I, I don't think that they're thinking far enough into the film to to criticize the if, if they're criticizing it for political commentary they're they're criti- criticizing it in addition to as as a backup to what their primary concern is and that's the fact that the, the, mm. the faces on the screen are not theirs so so basically even if you hold 90 percent of the pie losing part of the pie still feels like losing part of yes, the pie. Because I think in a lot of these situations, the people who are losing the pie have been hanging on to that pie because it's really all they have. What do you mean all they like, have? In their, in their mind, it represents that these films represent, and I'm speaking specifically about the ones that are, you know the toxic geek culture. I think that there, I think okay, there is, I okay. think there is, uh, you know, just the the different different people of of that are not necessarily Star Wars geeks. They're just toxic people in general. I don't necessarily lump them into everything, <laughs> but I do think there there right. is a a segment of these toxic fans that have this thing. They love this thing. This thing is comfort comfortable. And they also feel like they are not – they feel like an other. They're not as much of an other as they realize, but they feel like they're an other. And holding on to this pie is the only thing that they have. And as soon as somebody takes a tiny little slice out of it, stop taking my pie. It's all I have. Right, right. Even though it's like you still have your pie, this is a new pie. Yes, and they don't, they don't, they don't realize that. <laughs> they still think you're threatening their pie, and it's like, no, it's okay. You right. have yours. We'll have ours. It'll be all good. But no, that only they can have the pie. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I just looking at it from a storytelling point of view, I'm so excited for the the new ground that was broken by the last. Star Wars, uh, I guess you know, episode film. Um, just, just from a storytelling yeah. standpoint, it was just it, it. I really reacted strongly to um, what I thought Star Wars needed at that at needs at this point, which is to you know, if you're really going to expand on this world in order to tell the story that is relevant then this is the way to do it. Yeah. No, they, they made a very conscious decision with this last, it it was, it was done very, very well because um, episode seven was one that we could all be comfortable with. Yeah, it was. And people did criticize it as just being a retread. Yes. But they, they, it's, it's where we're just, we're going to start, we're going to start this, these last three movies in a way that you're comfortable with. We're going to plant seeds of where it's going because, you know, the characters, we're, we're, we're adding more racial diversity than you're used to, but 
but it's not the it's not the only thing going on here. We're we're trying to keep the rest of it very same. And then they, they so, made a very strong statement with episode eight that we're not keeping it contained in this bubble anymore. We we we've we were we're trying to ease you in, but we're going in a new direction and we're excited about it and we're telling stories that we're excited about, but it's not gonna look like episodes one through seven. Right, right. And I'm trying to, I mean, in in bringing it back to our topic of evolving fandoms and and evolving your own geekdom, uh, geekitude. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of a a time where I felt like a property that I was invested in took a left turn that I didn't want to take with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of, and I maybe I reacted, you know, in in a in an angry way, but really every time I, I feel like I have an instance of that, I realize, Oh, I just kind of left it. I just kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I didn't like the turn they made the choice they made. And I just moved on to the next thing. But then I think, well, I've always been a, someone that I always been a geek that was into so many different things that I always felt like I had a lot of choices yeah. of, of what I could, you know, how I could, kind of fulfill that enjoyment mm-hmm. in my life. Um, how do you feel, you know, seeing, uh, taking it back to, to this book series, um, what do you, what do you expect to, what do you, what do you expect your reaction is going to be if these stories keep going and, and you feel like, you know, the problematic um, elements are just not something that you, you want to continue, like, you know, I guess absorbing or, or, yeah. Well, I think I think one part of it is this very it's not very egregious. It's just it's it's just on the edge of my consciousness. It's something that's just kind of pings at me when it happens. It doesn't it doesn't ruin the entire book. Does that make sense? Like Yeah. It it's it's not like it's inherently flawed. And I, I've had some very good conversations on Slack about how, no, I might be looking at it a little bit too harshly. And I think I think there is a, a, a way that we, we over-adjust sometimes. You know, I, I think there's been so much stuff going on politically that we, we are very hyper-aware of race, of sexuality, of um, – and, and so I think that, that it's very easy to kind of over-scrutinize. So as far as these go, right now I'm not listening to eat. I'm I'm midway through a book that I've kind of just not renewed, and <laughs> um and I haven't bought the next one of the other series because I'm I'm okay not not dealing with that right now. I know that at some point I'll need uh, an urban fantasy fix, and I know that that's a reliable place to get it. So I'll go back to it, and you know, and and I may bristle a little bit when those little elements creep in again, but. I, it's it's not it's not egregious. Yeah. Um, as far as changing fandoms go, I'll let you know how I deal with it in in August. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know. What? Oh, go ahead. No, just because that's when New Mutants comes out, and all of a sudden, yeah. my favorite fandom will be um, possibly destroyed forever and ever and ever. I instinctively knew you were talking about that film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when is when is X Men going to come up? Because that was the thing that I was going to bring up next was, you know, um, I enjoyed the first X Men movie. I was just giddy about it all, 
And then X-Men 2, like X, X2, X-Men uh, X United, I love that film. I teared up in the theater watching that film. Um, and then X-Men 3, I didn't, in, I didn't enjoy it much, but I didn't hate it the way some people did. Um, and then from there on, I've just, I'm, I'm not happy with the X-Men films, but I don't, I don't know, like I'm not having the reaction that I feel like some very toxic fandoms have where, you know, I, I desperately want them to stop, <laughs> you know, like just, or at least to the point that I'm, I'm vilifying the, the makers of, of these films. Mm. Um, and then, I, and then I think, well, you know, maybe that's because I have X-Men comics and maybe the X-Men films did not have as an indelible, a, a, you know, a, a mark, leave that kind of mark on me as, as the Star Wars films did for a lot of those fans from when they were kids. And so I went back to like when I was a kid and I'm thinking, God, you know, my first geekdom, Joe, my first like hardcore geek interest was He-Man. Oh, wow. Masters of the Universe was my first huge thing. And I mean, like I, to this day, somewhere in a box in the attic of uh, the building my parents own, um, I still have every he-man action figure every original he-man action figure all the weapons i have eternia i have castle grayskull i have snake mountain um i even have multiples of a lot of characters because at a certain point family members just didn't know what the fuck to buy me for christmas anymore my birthday <laughs> like you have all of them already you know um that was my first major major geekdom and um in 1987, when Masters of the Universe came out, <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I was sitting in that theater. I mean, of course, my parents were going to take me to see that. And at, dude, at eight years old, I was sitting in that theater going, "This is shit." Like, <laughs> so like not if you were like me, the the first, the first, the first thought in the little, because I would have been probably nine or ten at that time. The first thought that goes in through your head is, where the fuck is Orko? Yes, dude. Yes. And who is this little troll thing? That's the, he's not. No. Yes, Gildor <laughs> is not Orko. What? No. Yeah, and so um, at eight. I knew this is not my thing. Like, this is not the thing that I love. What is this? Um, but, you know, it just kind of, it was just there. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to say I, I let it go, but I just kind of went back to the thing that I loved, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't feel, like, attacked, I guess. Um, but, you know, that's just the property. I mean, maybe because there's a whole... You know, we keep saying you keep saying you don't want to make this political, but I feel like people are politicizing it. The people that are railing against Star Wars and and attacking, you know, the, the makers of these films are politicizing it. Do you do you feel we're guilty of that when it comes to things like DC movies? In terms of politics, uh, just in terms of of railing against. Railing against something so hard that we are we're, we're messing it up further. Um, I don't know that I have the power to mess it up further. Um, <laughs> but I, that came out wrong. That came out, I, <laughs> <laughs> that 
came out wrong. I, <laughs> I mean, it's oh wow. I mean, it's just me. You know, like what? I don't know that I could have that kind of impact. <laughs> right, 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 but, right, right, right. But I feel like I go into every new DC film wanting to love it, and when mm-hmm. we talk about the things that we hate about it, I, I'm not upset that. Um, God, I don't know that Aquaman was recast as you know uh, from a white guy in the comics to an uh, um, you know Asian or Pacific Islander in in the film. You know yeah, that yeah. doesn't that's not part of what I'm down with that. Like that's yes, like or and politics aside, I I just don't give a shit. You know about um, I care more mo- mostly about the story. Right. I want the story to be good, you know, and if the story is good and lines up my politics, great. Um, but I will invest in a story that is well told. Um, and even to the point like, you know, like you w- with this book series, like if it's if problematic, you know, to a certain extent. OK, you know, but it, it, it's it's again, we're back at nuance, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's that ability to hold those two things as true. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, well, and a lot of it's a lot of it's in reaction. I mean, we don't we don't go and th- grab an actor actress on Twitter and send horrible comments oh, to them. My God, man. Um, I just you know, ugh. I think I think I remember leaving the I I, rem- I remember leaving X three angry. <laughs> I remember I remember leaving very angry um because it didn't make sense and I felt a little bit like I think I think it was kind of where I started to understand the politics behind filmmaking and how well we can't have um Cyclops because he's in Superman right now and that's why he's barely in the movie and and they kill him off and and I, my my thought was kind of at that point. Well, then just don't make the movie. Like if you can't do it right, well, don't do it at all. Right. Um, but I didn't then go and start like sending letters to to um, Brian Singer. Brian Singer, yeah, Brian Singer, and saying you know, uh, completely railing on him for all the things that he did to my movie. Right. Like, right. You're not driving him off of social media and starting a campaign to like downvote you know X Men Three on on Rotten Tomatoes. No, I, and, and I think that's, I think a little bit of that is social media. I think social media has given a voice to people who maybe need to be a little quieter. I'm not going to say they shouldn't have a voice. I'm just saying maybe they should be a little quieter. Do you think if, um, they took, say like, a really, <laughs> I'm trying to pose this as, as a, hypothetical but it's like i can already think of like this happening all the time <laughs> if, if they were to take a a popular gay character from the comics and in the film version m- make them straight and just kind of you know ruin the character um do you feel that's something that you would want to voice your opinion on like you were being your identity was somehow connected to your disappointment in the film um I, it's hard to conceptualize for me because I think 
I, I think there would be such a backlash for because again, it's that idea that you you you're you're playing with different rules when it's a marginalized community, yeah. Yeah. and so there's a difference between taking and and this is and this is what I think is is part of the inherent problem because people don't understand. There's a difference between taking a, t- a, a traditionally white cast and diversifying them, and taking a a typically diversified cast and yes, of course. Like there's, there's a big difference that, and, and people don't necessarily always understand what that, that is. Yeah. People want to think that it's tit for tat and it's not because there's context. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you already are underrepresented, um, taking a, a, a character, you know, taking a gay character and straight washing them is not, you know, it, it's it is something to get upset about because you're you're taking away yet another opportunity for for that marginalized community to be represented. And yeah, that's um, well said. Yeah, and so that's I think that's where the big difference lies. But it's funny because I I have often thought that I'm like, how hard could it be to do a good gay superhero movie? How how hard could it be to do a good gay uh, fantasy film like? And and when you think about it, and you think about the tropes that these genres use, um, and you you swap out Mary Jane for a guy because that's going to be the love interest for your superhero. All of a sudden, you see a lot of the flaws with those tropes because you switch out the female character for a male, and all of a sudden, it don't feel right. Yep. You know, and and that makes you kind of go, well, then why is it right to begin with? And it's those kind of little like realizations as you as you move through your fandoms that I think are important to realize that, oh, yeah, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen there's a video where it's like um, a superhero movie in one take and the the theme, you know, so it's a very generic plot and every time the the love interest is on screen, she basically says something along the lines of, "I don't feel like I'm really contributing to this," and then it's cut off. And you know, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's that's the the trope, and that's yep. a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's a certain level of willful ignorance for people that you know might be having might be when people feel attacked uh it's to me it just it becomes apparent very quickly when um people don't want to investigate that Mm -hmm. you know because just because you're feeling a certain thing doesn't mean that uh that is where that ends (laughs) you know like maybe think about why you're feeling that way maybe you know uh, and like you said, like switching, uh, you know, thinking about the same story points or plot points uh, in, in in light of a different gender is a, is a way to highlight that. Um, but yeah, you just, I think it comes down to whether you want to investigate your own motivations or not. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people are, are attacking <laughs> people on social media without doing any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, and that's, 
I, I feel like there's the, that's that's part of the problem with all of this is that people are quick to attack and not quick to discuss. I mean, I'm sure there are people this is this is a very different episode than we normally do. And I am sure that there are people like, oh, my God, I, I this is not interesting to me and have moved on. Um, but hopefully people are looking at this as, oh, yeah, these are discussions that I've thought about but really haven't had with anybody. These are things that I've talked about or, you know, to myself or, or I've thought about driving around or in the shower but never really fully explore because it's not something we do on a regular basis. And I think if we if we looked at it – if we looked at what we consume a little bit like this more often, um, we would be less likely to take anger and frustration to – the interwebs that's so interesting you say that because i feel like for me the opposite is true um these are the conversations that i'm having 24 7 90 percent of <laughs> of my uh energy that i that i put out into connecting with people and my friends or, or co-workers or whatnot is honestly like these are the things these are the topics that matter to me and mm -hmm. these are the things that i want to investigate um, because I learned so much about myself um, from investigating them. Um, and for me, when I come onto this podcast to chat with my friend Joe, um, it's actually a kind of a the only time out for me where I go, okay, I'm going to try my best to kind of put that, you know, maybe on the back burner a little bit and just try to have like a more general, like a uh, joyful um, uh, focus on being a, I don't want to say generic, but it does feel more like be less critical, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's been hard. I mean, sometimes, you know, when I we're reviewing Wonder Woman or we're reviewing, um, you know, even Marvel films, which, which I generally love, uh, there is a part of me, I can easily, you know, go, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm, this bothered mm -hmm. me or that bothered me or, you know, that movie was, you know, pro co colonialism as fuck. And that really bothered me. But um, I don't know. I think that um, it's it's a cool exercise to kind of be able to move the focus of what I'm talking about and how, how I'm uh, engaging with geek properties and stuff. But if I if it was just up to me, like. This is the kind of conversation that I really, really enjoy having about all, you know, different fandoms and about the geek properties that I'm into because I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm all in, you know, and, and I mm -hmm. fuck up and I say the wrong thing and I, you know, uh, I'm problematic as hell, you know what I mean? But that's, right, right. I feel like that's just the first step. You know, it's, it's not, that's not like a, a kind of strict conclusion that I come to after I say the wrong thing or, or whatever. And then just kind of, Oh, I guess I have to, you know, delete myself now. It's like, no, <laughs> I, for me that, that opens a really interesting path of, of kind of learning and go, Oh, okay. You know what? I want to know more about it and I want to investigate. And so that I'm like all in. When you told me we were going to talk about this this episode, I was like, awesome. <laughs> Let's yeah, no, I've been looking forward to this for, for weeks. We keep putting it off because we keep having really good movies coming out. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I like to explore this kind of stuff too. And I, I definitely get very excited as I feel like, because I do feel like fandom in general is evolving. I feel like um, 
people are being more critical. People are being more demanding of diversity in properties. I feel like mm -hmm. people are questioning some of the choices that we make in and, and not letting people settle in the same old, same old, like we've seen these stories. Let's get something new. Let's get yes. something different. And, and I feel like, there's a lot of people out there who are very scared of that change. They, they like the comfort of knowing what's going to happen and being able to predict it. And then I think there's just some people that are just not happy period. And so they're just going to make sure everybody else is miserable too. And I, I don't think That's so there's true. much we can do about <laughs> That's that. So and yeah. And it's sad in its own way. And, you know, I mean, I hope that doesn't come off as sounding very dismissive, but but I do think that there's a lot – like a lot of times we get very upset about, well, these people are being horrible people because of this, that, and the other thing. And I think it's, sometimes it's okay to say, no, they're just – there's just horrible people out there. <laughs> yeah, right? That's in, in, in geek circles as well. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are not – we are not by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> a, a, a perfect subset of culture. Yeah, for sure. This – I mean this, this is cool. This is the stuff that I feel like you and I – touch on uh outside of the podcast all the time you know mm -hmm. so i i really like that we're you know we can include this conversation along with all the other conversations we have on keep the tooth so um i don't know hopefully y'all listening enjoyed it as well um anything else you wanted to to cover before we start to wrap things up i don't think cover but i do want to kind of invite anybody who is listening i let's not end the conversation. I think there's a couple questions that, that I know I have, and I think Ray probably feels the same way. You know, are these kind of conversations things that you are interested in listening to? Um, are these conversations that you have with your geek groups? And, um, you know, and, and are, are you, where, where are you on this spectrum of, of looking at, at your fandom in a new way? Are you, are you somebody who does feel like your your fandoms are changing too quickly? Like, I think these are important conversations to have, and I would love to see emails and twi Twitter conversations and and Slack conversations about about this stuff because um, I think both Ray and I would really enjoy to be able to move these conversations into other episodes and and online and and feel a little bit more the community around us and say, is this stuff that you do think about? Is this something that you're very put off by? What, where, where do you guys land on the spectrum? So, so give us some feedback so that we can continue to explore in, in our own, you know, we, we can still kind of explore our community and see where, where. Yeah. Yeah. And just a quick note. Um, I am, as I just finished kind of saying, I'm very happy to engage in these topics. So, um, I've, I've recognized that sometimes that can uh, catch people a little bit off guard <laughs> in how matter of fact I, I can be when discussing, you know, race or um, whatever the social justice, you know, topics are at hand. Um, that's just me. That's just how I am. I kind of, I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> non-flinchingly will, will just dive right in and, you know, uh, uh, acknowledge that, you know, um, something is present, whatever, you know, whatever ingredient or, or whatever factor is a part of, um, the topic that we're discussing. Um, I'm, I'm kind of that person that just points in and goes, yeah. And that thing too, by the way. So, 
uh, you know, I hope anyone that engages with me in social media or Slack or what have you um, doesn't feel put off by that. I'm not trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable <laughs> or trying to, you know, push some away, some some uh, a, a discussion away by going there. That's just where I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and if you're not used to it, and I'm speaking from experience, if you are not used to it, it can be very jarring. But he's not immovable. He's actually trying to engage in a conversation with you. But there's been some times where we've landed on opposite sides of a of a of a, a point. <laughs> it's like, damn, Ray. <laughs> See, and this is why Joe and I are friends because I need those people around me to go, damn, Ray. And I'm like, oh, what? What? Like, I literally was just like, the sky is blue and the grass is green. Oh, and by the way, this thing here, like, I, I don't see, you know, sometimes the big deal. So, right. But and, and, I mean, I think, you know, again, not to get into politics, but I think a good thing that like a good example of this is, is during the election, you know, I, I was very much vote for the person who's going to win what we want. And you're like, dude, if we continue to do that, you're never going to get a, a, a candidate that you like. You're only going to get the candidate that is good enough. And it's kind of like, you know, it, it took several months for me to go, okay, maybe at a point. But I also look at the world around us and go, maybe that point should have been made later. <laughs> um, so, so the, we're, we're very good at, at, rolling with people's opinions and and we challenge each other and we're we're probably going to challenge you but um it's all done in i th- hopefully yeah I'm, I'm the guy that walks around most days with um a molotov cocktail pin on my shirt somewhere so just to give you an idea where i'm coming from you know <laughs> um, <laughs> blow stuff up let's, blow, let's burn all down let's go uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. This is great. Um, yeah, I, I want to mention, I've mentioned this, this blog before, uh, it's called we are geeks of color, um, or just geeks of color for short. Um, and it's really cool, um, site. Uh, I really like the articles that they, they post and, um, kind of where they're coming from on things. The reason I'm mentioning it now is because for those of you that are maybe interested in seeing what a more diverse kind of roster of superhero film could look like. Um, Geeks of Color does have an all person of color Justice League fan cast um, on their site that they published last year. That's really cool. It's a lot of fun. They basically just go down the list and cast their ideal Justice League, um, uh, you know, actors and actresses with all people of color. Um, a lot of fun, especially because uh, they settle on Idris Elba as Bruce Wayne, which I fucking love that idea. <laughs> um, so check that out if you're interested, because um, I think it's just a cool look at, you know, what could be if we decide that, um, you know, things are more open to interpretation um, than we first might think. Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I'm probably, and it's a pod. Is it just a blog or? Oh, oh no, yeah, they, they do have a podcast. podcast. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so check it out. Um, yeah, they, they do a lot of fun okay. stuff like this. They've also done like a whole, like a list of their top 10 choices to play Batman and their, um, I won't spoil their number one, I guess. Um, but, uh, their number four is Benicio del Toro, which I thought was a really interesting take. I mean, Batman as a character is so malleable, you know, that, 
I think the actor playing um, him um, could bring a lot to the role. So Daniel Henney is also on the list, which is a great choice. Anyway, yeah, big fan of this site. Check it out. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll do a link or something. Okay, I now this this is purely because this is going to completely derail everything you just said, and I apologize because I'm going from <laughs> deep, socially relevant conversation to fangirling out about something that I saw on the We Are Geeks of Color. Um, yeah, um, I'm sorry. Is is Colossus and Kitty Pride getting married in the comics? What? That's happening? Fine. With, what? With the wedding of Kitty Pride and Peter Rasputin fast approaching, it's no surprise that their friends and family want to make sure that the duo has a special night out before the impending nuptials. Comic review, X-Men, the wedding special number one. Whoa. Written by Chris Claremont, Mark Guttenheim, and uh, Kelly Thompson. Art by Todd Nock and Greg Land. Yeah, I'm looking at what, it right now. And what what the hell, okay, the, Ray? The podcast is over, and Joe and I are, are going to record another podcast <laughs> this. So um, I think we may uh, – we, I will tell you what we're planning on doing, and I think it will just become this. Um, Shout-outs, Ray, oh, <laughs> so we can close up. Man, you know what? I just want to shout-out to our listeners because, um, you know, I just had the pleasure of being a, a guest on this podcast with you for, for a large – I don't know, a large portion of the podcast existence. And then now to kind of be doing this thing as on a regular basis, it's really cool to be part of this community. I really, really love it. I, I think I told you on, on maybe on Slack or, or Messenger somewhere, um, I forgot what it was like to be like this connected to a geek community. So it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, as we have mentioned, I am on Slack now. So if you want to you know, reach out and say what's up, please do so. Um, and yeah, just shout out to all of you that listen. Thank you awesome. so much. Um, we're we're happy to have you, Ray. Like I I love I love podcasting with you. Um, I'm going to throw a shout out to my friends Bobby and Stephanie because they got married on Saturday and it was a really fun wedding. And Bobby is uh, a, a huge geek. I'm pretty sure Stephanie is too, and uh, a sometimes listener of the podcast. So congratulations, Bobby and Stephanie. Your wedding was absolutely amazing. Uh, coming up next week, uh, depending on how uh, this whole Kitty Pride Colossus <laughs> thing pans out, I think I'm going to stop off at the comic book store tomorrow. Um, but what we were planning is next week we were just going to – since this was so serious, next week we're just going to kind of dive into three of our favorite geeky things and kind of um, geek out about it uh, with each other. Um, so that's that's what we were – My I think mine might be – Colossus, Kitty Pride, and Colossus and Kitty Pride. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might we might be doing a timeline of Shadowcat and Colossus's um, relationship status over the years instead. Because <laughs> I've got I've got questions. Because I don't know. Last time I last time I checked, she was she was kind of flirting around with uh, Star Lord. So um, I'm not quite sure what happened there. Um, all the music. Maybe Colossus. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say Colossus read that message loud and clear. <laughs> uh, step up, dude. <laughs> and that totally ruins my shipping of him in Deadpool, so we'll see. 
<laughs> All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound. It is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the Geek to Geek Network. Check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the Geek to Geek podcast, RunningShoes.tv, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast also make sure to check out our slack uh you can message any of us we can we can get you there uh you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on apple podcast stitcher google play and most other podcatchers out there please leave us a review and spread the word if you'd like to contact me you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com you can also follow the show on twitter at geektitude or me personally at epic grays ray where can we find you I am at Ray Vargas three uh, across social media at large. So whether you're on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Tumblr, you can always find me at Ray Vargas and then the number three. Um, and that's also my website. So it's really convenient. Um, you can also take a look at my artwork at rayvargas3.com. Awesome. And that's it for this week. Next week we will be back. And until then, remember this week, keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to. Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? <sighs> Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something. A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. That theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack Podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brandon Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. <laughs>